So before we get started, we just want to say how excited we are that Red Light Rising are sponsoring the School of Calisthenics podcast. These guys have got some awesome tech, which comes with a whole host of health and performance benefits that is backed up by some really solid science. Myself and Tim have always been interested in ways that we can improve our health and our wellness, and we've been enjoying using the Red Light therapy that James and Brian have developed at Red Light Rising to help improve our recovery and performance. They're also releasing a series of articles on their blog to help improve your immunity during this difficult time, looking at things to improve circadian rhythm, fasting protocols, cold water therapy, heat therapy, as well as obviously the red light therapy itself. So these guys are giving out some amazing information, which is really useful during this time. And if you're interested in finding out more about red light therapy, head over to the website, check out the blogs. And because they're nice, generous guys, they've also given a 5% offer to School of Calisthenics podcast listeners of any of their red light therapy products. So if you want to check those out, and you want to bag yourself a little bit of a bargain, just use code SOC5 at checkout and enjoy 5% off better health and immunity. Just go to redlightrising.co.uk to find out more information or to see what the guys have got going on social just search red light rising on your favorite channel on to the podcast welcome to the school of calisthenics podcast with your hosts tim and jacko Now, I've been looking forward to this one for a while. We are inviting a great friend of the School of Calisthenics and Jacko's old rugby pal, which always means there's going to be some spice in the conversation, <laughs> Mr. Alex Shaw from Kickback Coffee. And despite their history together, um, Jacko starts off in a very sensible and serious tone with this one. I think you're trying to overcompensate for the potential car crash that this could have been just <laughs> turning into an absolute banter fest. Well, it... Um it's the good news is that I don't think we even talked any rugby at all. It was all strictly coffee, which to be honest, I probably like coffee a lot more than I like rugby these days. Um, and I'm so glad that if you listen all the way to the end, we finally put to bed what is a flat white and stop serving me a big cup of, of hot um, essentially is uh, is is what I really enjoy at the end of this one. So make sure you're listening to that. And if you are into, into coffee, um, and if, even if you're not, you go, what you're going to benefit from is the knowledge that uh, Alex has with uh, around everything from roasting to the baristry, the whole process. Uh, you're going to learn something about about how you should optimize and how you should to be able to make the greatest cup of coffee you can do at home in a whole host of different ways, whether you like it with a cavetier, whether you've got an espresso machine or mock pot, whatever it is, um, he's got not just the information, but uh, an energy and, an, and a passion and enthusiasm for it that I find 100% uh, infectious, even though, and I'm not saying that just because he's one of my best buddies. It was also a bit of time towards about three quarters of the way through where we chat around caffeine and using caffeine as an ergogenic aid to improve performance and, and why Jack and I are drinking much more decaf coffee now because we still love coffee, but trying to moderate and manage our caffeine intake for, for strategic purposes as well. And just a last little bit before you let you get into this one, Shorzy sent me some coffee recently and he, he's very kind and very nice. He, he puts little handwritten notes inside. Now, Jacko has been getting a little bit jealous about my and Shorzy's <laughs> flourishing relationship. So he said to me on his little note, he said, um, Tim, stop telling everyone that I'm that you're my favourite. It's making Jacko get upset. And then he said, lots of love, Shorzy. P.S. It's true, though. You are my favourite. 
Actually, Tim, he wants everyone to be his best friend, and that is why he is giving a special discount to the School of Calisthenics podcast listeners on any of his Kickback Coffee roasts. Um, you can get the freshest roasted coffee from Kickback Coffee at kickbackcoffee.co.uk. And if you use the code SOC15, that's SOC15 at checkout, you will get 15% discount on your order. Get involved. It's great coffee and Alex is an absolute legend. So here is my new bestie on the School of Calisthenics podcast, Miss Alex Shaw from Kickback Coffee. It's time to roll the jingle. Please welcome Alex from Kickback Coffee, a.k.a. Shawzy, uh, my old buddy, actually, from uh, the rugby days. Alex, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much for having me. It's a pleasure to have you here. Me and Tim are both massive coffee fans, and so we want to talk deep into that. But just first of all, for the there may there may be one person out there that hasn't heard of Kickback Coffee or Alex from Kickback Coffee, um, and so could you just give a quick little introduction as to who is Alex and what does Kickback Coffee stand for? Okay, so the quick version of it is I am a artisan coffee roaster up in Cheshire. Um, I import green unroasted coffee, put it in a big um, drum roaster and hopefully make it taste good. And all the coffee that I select basically hits one rule and that is, do I like it? If I do, I try and tell people about it and uh, hope that they like it as well. Lovely. And uh, that we, was a short version. It was a super yeah. short version. Well, I don't want to ruin this whole podcast. Like if I give you like one big snippet, like a little bit of a, a monologue, I, I don't know what you, you'd want to ask me. For well, the next yeah, we'll unpeel, we'll unpeel con- the, la- the layers yeah. of, of that. I was a little bit concerned that Jacko started very formally and, and Alex is a great <laughs> friend of the School of Calisthenics. Um, and anyone who's been to retreat, who's, ex- who's uh, experienced um, Alex Shaw in person will know that this may degrade into just laddish conversation <laughs> before too long. Because they're all the best behaviour at the moment, but it, I don't know how you can. I don't know how long you can keep this up. <laughs> well, I just want to, can, let me start with the fact that, like, we talk about calisthenics as a journey, and I've myself went on a on a coffee journey from never drinking coffee at all. I don't know, maybe like ten years ago, and then like for some reason it was almost like one of the things everyone else was doing it so i sort of like weaned my way onto it a bit like you know when you're 15 16 no you know when you're 18 and you decide to try and drink alcohol but you don't like it at first but everyone's doing it so you have a go it was a bit like that and then very quickly turned into an absolute nause that was like oh if someone someone pulls out some nescafe or other such like instant coffees are available you just be like oh no i want and and it gets to the point where now I'm dissatisfied. I'm dissatisfied at when someone butchers a flat white when you're going out somewhere um, and you want a nice coffee. And uh, it's been that interesting. Upset Jacko. That, that, that is one of the uh, things. If, so if you ask for a flat white and it comes out in a, in a, in a mug the size of a cappuccino, you have literally ruined your day. <laughs> Do not give me. It's, and well, this is. I mean, I've had many chats with Alex about this, um, and we can maybe delve into some of this um in the podcast but there'll be a lot of people um out there that are too now um i guess really big into their coffee and i wanted first of all just to give us a bit of insight into what makes um what makes your roast and your beans taste so good like the the decaf is phenomenal um i've been having that a lot recently um because i gave up caffeinated coffee um for lent and 
you know, you, you talked to me before about the um, the time frame it takes from uh, a roast and, and, and maintaining that sort of freshness that you have quite a, a strict timeline, and that might be very different to other bags of coffee that I may have had in my in my cupboard for probably a year or so. Just give us a bit of insight into that. Yes, not a problem. Look, in terms of uh, coffee, I think especially if we look at um, coffee in the UK over the last sort of 10, 15, 20 years, is it's kind of on like a, a big hockey stick curve in terms of the quality that people now expect. And if you do go back sort of, let's say, 10 years, 15 years, um, there was still a lot of instant coffee in, in UK households and uh, a, a posh coffee, as it were, that was probably a, uh, a cafetiere that you made on a, a Saturday morning with fresh coffee from um, a supermarket. And I think it's, it's taken a while to, to kind of break down what it actually means to have a fresh coffee. And to answer some of your questions there in terms of, well, why, why does mine taste, taste good and taste hopefully better than the stuff that you've had in your cupboard for X amount of months is this whole idea of it actually being fresh. And, um, in terms of coffee as a, as, a, as a product, as a drink, it starts slowly, um, sort of not going off, but losing its, its, its flavor as soon as it is roasted. So in terms of drinking fresh coffee, um, you need to drink it as close to the roast date as possible. And, and every bag of coffee that, that I sell, I, I always try and get it out within... Um, two weeks of the roast date so that as soon as the people who are buying it have it in their house, they now have like a, a three month window to enjoy my coffee, which um, in my opinion, if you're drinking coffee that is within three months of its roast date, it is, it is pretty fresh. So that's, yeah, that's really useful in terms of understanding what, how to maximize the taste of it, Shorty. And there's, there's a couple of things that I was chatting to Jack about what we're going to want to go through today. There'll be loads of people who buy coffee from, baristas and um, independent coffee shops and costas and those kind of like lots of different coffee establishments but when you're at home making coffee what are some of the key things because there's lots of different ways we can do it as you say you can do it in a cafetiere which we sometimes use we've got a mocha pot at home which we will occasionally use we've also got a bean to cup machine we don't use them all at the same time it's often just depends on what we're doing but like when we're talking what are the kind of the principles of like how if we're buying whole like um, ground coffee or whole bean coffee how does it differentiate or how do we need to differentiate between whether we're making a cafetiere or another version okay so a couple of questions there in terms of getting the best out of your your coffee um these are some of the questions i guess that get asked all the time and it is shall i buy beans shall i buy ground um 100 i always promote and recommend that you buy beans why because as soon as you grind up coffee you create a larger surface area and all of the aromas the flavors the the, the essence that that essentially makes the drink taste good Will, will disappear quicker. So by trying to, um, or by buying coffee as beans, you retain that flavor for longer. So that's that's the first Would thing. Would it be so, oxidizing, Alex? Um, essentially, yes, because it it's the air that is, is breaking it down. Yeah. And there's, there's ways to, to slow that down. You can buy um, airlock jars that will, that will do it, but it still doesn't deny the fact that um, you don't get to control that element of, well, when was it ground? Who ground it? How long did they keep it out in the air for? Was it sealed straight away? How was it sealed? So to almost um, not get rid of, but reduce that likelihood of it being uh, ground up in a way that's not necessarily 
optimizing the way that you want to drink your coffee and i've heard um, people by... i've heard people sorry i've heard people like put it in the freezer for like trying to say that that does that help or not um so again my, my answer to that is uh buying fresh coffee is the best way to enjoy coffee so if you have the ability to to buy buy it fresh regularly then i'd always do that there are there are very rare occasions where I recommend people freeze it. And that is, say for example, you buy a, a very unique uh, micro lot, something that's a little bit different that if you don't buy it today, yeah. you're not going to get any more of it. So there are certain um, sort of uh, varieties of, of coffee that are quite, quite r- rare and unique. And um, I would 100% recommend to, to freeze that if you don't think that you can drink it within Straight that sort away. of okay, cool. period. Yeah. yeah. Um, so unless it's rare, no. Yeah. Buy fresh and buy the amount that you're going to use within that sort of period of, of three months. Yeah, because we sometimes might go away on holiday and you'll see something <clears throat> a bit naughty and you're like, oh, yeah, we'll have some of those beans. But then I've had them, I've then not touched them because it's like, oh, they're the really fancy ones, so we'll keep them. But then you never have them, and then ultimately, what you say now is, "I'm like, oh, well, you've ruined them by not having them," um, which is interesting. You actually told me to throw them out, didn't you? Some, some <laughs> like really, old, we've got like real nice stuff in, or we thought we we don't even know if it's nice actually. We never tried it. We like just kept it in the cupboard. Um, but anyway, go on to so, and then you know what, that, that's, Tim- a prime, that's a prime example. So it might not be that that's a, a rare, unique coffee that you you found on holiday but it's rare and unique to your store yes exactly whilst you're away 100 stick that in the freezer if you're not going to use it yeah Um, i'm going to need a big freezer yeah nice good and then the different types of um coffees that tim was talking about make people different different types making at home like why it's different you're going to talk about the size of the grinds and all that sort of stuff all right so uh, another reason why you want to buy beans as opposed to ground is this whole idea that if you imagine that you have different ways to brew your coffee. So you've mentioned a couple already that you've got a cafetiere at one end and you've got an espresso at the other. And within reason, a cafetiere will take anywhere from three to five minutes and an espresso will take 30 seconds. And during those, um, those brewing times, you need to extract all the flavor out in a manner which comes out into essentially what is a glass of water. Um, and the way that you control that uh, extraction process um, mainly comes down to uh, grind, grind type. So if you imagine three to five minutes in a cafetiere, you want it coarse. 30 seconds as an espresso, you want it fine. And everything in between, so like a, a filter, Aeropress, Chemex, all of these sort of different uh, brewing methods they would sit somewhere along that line cool makes sense but that and does that thing is like so i i've got a grinder but it's like a 10 quid grinder just that grinds flipping anything um off of amazon for like 10 quid or whatever like i can't control how fine other than just leaving it grinding there for longer and if, I, and if I have some stuff that's been in that grinder for ages and I just add more in and then eventually get the really fine stuff out of the bottom, it doesn't go through me espresso. Like me, it's almost like too fine to be able to get through. Is someone like me that thinks that they're a coffee noise or has aspirations to be a coffee noise need to actually invest more in my uh, grinder slash... Yes. Do you, know what I mean? yes, yes, yes. Do you know what? This is, this is one of the questions that I get asked all the time. It's uh, what, what machine should you recommend? Well, there's so many, so many variables to that, but fundamentally, the, the one that usually answers it is how much do you want to spend? 
And up to a certain point, you will get more out of your coffee if you spend more money on your grinder than you do on your machine. Yeah. Um, because of that principle of, well, you want to uh, grind it specifically um, so that the, whatever equipment you're, you're using to brew, it is actually ground correctly. So even in something like a, uh, like a, a stovetop, this is one that I recommend all the time, is that the idea that you can pick up a stovetop, which is a, another name, uh, a mocha pot or a bialetti, um, they're about £10. And if you went and spent, I don't know, £100 on a grinder, you would make absolutely incredible coffee with that £10 uh, stovetop. Is it possible a- to get a stovetop where the handle doesn't fall off? <laughs> because uh, I have a I have a plethora of handles separate to mug and pots, and it makes pouring difficult. Uh, I've 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 heard, I've heard um, I reckon just like a mitt or something. <laughs> or uh, this actually links us back to uh, something that happened very recently, which I'm I'm very fond of. Uh, is that uh, two weeks ago? It was actually my birthday. Thank you very much. Many happy returns. Did you get a present got, from? Did you get a present? Oh, it's weird that you uh, that you mentioned that. I did receive a, a gift from uh, School of Calisthenics, <sighs> uh, and I am actually rocking them right now. Of so course, it was it was very kind. A gift of uh, some Star Wars socks, um, which are two of my other loves: Star Wars and socks um but linking it back to coffee if your handle has fallen off maybe put on a sock ah. <laughs> must be thick yeah well I, I don't know where i'd, I'd really go with that one yeah so that. i need to yeah, look at quite... i need to look at i need to look at getting a grinder that lets me choose the level of grind uh, basically 100 percent. yeah Okay. Uh, you're not a fan of Shorzy. I mean, I, I mean, I told you I've got a bean to cup machine, which I didn't spend the thousands of pounds on, which you can. That's one thing that surprises me about coffee machines is the the, the, the market for them, the product um, ladder, so to speak, is it gets expensive very, very quickly. Um, and not just a little bit expensive, like a thousand pounds expensive. Um, you, I, you would normally say that my bean to cup machine, despite convenience and cleanliness, would sit below making it as an espresso manually. Is that correct? Say say that again. So you, you you would be in preference. So I've got a bean to cup machine. Yeah. But if 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 we were to look at like um, how to extract the best from my coffee beans, you would be suggesting that I I grind and um, what's the word when you actually express? Is that extract. Right extract. That's the one I was looking for. And it was an e. That I would do those more as a more manual process as opposed to me just pushing a button on the front of the Delonghi. I, I do, but I, I'm also not, I'm not sort of like a, a, a full-on coffee snob that says, right, well, you have a Nespresso machine, so you don't know what you're talking about. Because I suppose one of my, my biggest things in, in life in general, but especially sort of in, in coffee, is if you find something you like, then who am I to tell you that you're wrong? And it's all, all of my advice is always, well, it's my opinion. And that's on the back of trying all these different methods. And I think it's... I find it hard to believe that if you didn't try uh, just on solely extraction, so getting flavor out of the, the coffee into water, um, spending more money on, on one of those grinders and using a, a much simpler method of extracting like a stovetop or a cafetiere, you will, you will get a much better um, drinking experience of a cup of yeah. coffee. Yeah. Just useful for the context. And my other question, just going back to mocha pots, was occasionally if I've made coffee on the stove, um, it can be quite bitter. 
like that, or is it? Is that what what's happening there? Is that potentially grind, or have I put too much coffee in? Um, I don't find it as smooth as an espresso, for example. Uh, the answer to that is uh, it could be, it could be a principle of number one. It could be the coffee. So um, certain times it can be the the roast profile. It can be the age of the coffee. Um, in terms of getting bitterness out of a coffee, um, it can be on the the coarseness. So with the stove top, it it extracts. So it takes the the, the flavour of the coffee out of the the ground under pressure. So that little pot that you put your water in uh, and then sort of screw it up that builds up steam and it's the pressure that forces the water through the, um, the ground coffee. And if it is too coarse, uh, it will run through too quick and it won't extract all the sort of like the balanced flavors that you're looking at and vice versa. If it is um, too fine, it, it will take too long to break through and, and, and go through the, uh, um, let's call it a coffee puck, the, the basket of coffee. And again, it, it, it won't, extract all of the the positive flavors it will it will have some of the the negative um elements to it so if on that spectrum people are probably have three ways that, i mean if you're i know there's some people that um that i know that are like properly into this like jack and i think that we're kind of like coffee snobs but we're not at the point where we would weigh out the amount of <laughs> yeah, there's levels isn't there? <laughs> the amount of water and, and people that are making chemex and that sort of stuff at home are probably at a slightly different end of the spectrum but for most people you're going to be thinking cafetiere stovetop bean to cup or an espresso machine um and the, the grind in that though so grind is going to be like coarseness it's going to be quite high for the cafetiere somewhere in the middle for the mocha pot and then fine for the for the espresso machine uh, manual and then a bean to cup is just going to do it for you anyway and you obviously on, on you can change the grind settings on a bean to cup machine but we just have ours cranked all the way over for maximum intensity i think <laughs> nice <laughs> obviously nice. <laughs> yeah you like you like your coffee intense well just i want yeah yeah, strong. Yeah, I want depth to it. Around when so. you're camping around a around a, around a campfire. Yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for you to tell <laughs> some sort of like pond. Right, so <laughs> I I have it outside of the tent, but if it's sunny. Let's uh, let's recap where we've been then. So freshness of coffee is the in terms of maximising home drinking experience. Freshness is an important component. Getting the right grind type is important. We've talked a bit about extraction um, and the, that comes down to the method that you're going to use. The other one I wanted to get your input on is, is like, talk about beans and origins because you've sent me some, which I believe I want to say is from Nicaragua. Is that right? Yes. Uh, which I haven't opened yet. Um, but we've also, it, it, you get coffee from all over the world. There's single origins, Blah, blah, blah. talk a little bit about that so so you actually know what you're buying because the, you've also given me one of the past which is quite a novel flavor which um which was very different and it's quite a, a uh a do you have a strawberry cheesecake I, I don't know you gave you gave me one about a year ago and it was um i can't even describe the, the taste of it but it just it's just different the, and the nekawagawa if that's pronounced something like that um <laughs> that's and you've have you got the decaf one tim the no calf no, I've got the full. I got the full good. All oh, right, good, great. I just wanted yeah. to throw in the mix that I'm happily say that that's like the best decaf I've tasted, and that's me making it home with a not amazing coffee machine. The Nicaraguan decaf is that no, is, uh, oh. the decaf is a, a Mexican. Mexican. Uh, there you go. Hence yes, why the caf no caf. Yeah, Mexican. It's, it's good. It is very good. It's beautiful because and the, you actually can't tell the difference between that and a caffeinated, which is hard. You, you, yeah, you, you, you sometimes you don't get that. With you do not. Yeah, I know. And and that that's uh, the water process method for those, Alex. If you can you yes. give us a little bit of, when you're talking about the beans, talk, beans, talk us talk about beans, that. Yeah. yeah. Okay. So. 
jumping between the, the two answers there and I'll, I'll tie it all together is that the whole idea of coffee, you have sort of two, two um, ways of describing it. So Tim mentioned single origin and blends. And if you think of a blend as taking a little bit of coffee from this farm in Nicaragua, mix it with a little bit of coffee from a farm in Colombia, with a little bit from Ethiopia, put it all together, and that makes a blend. So when people say, oh, what blends have you got? Mine is my espresso blend. And that's pretty much, that is the only blend I do. But if you go into a... Um, a, a supermarket or a coffee roastery and you see uh, something that just says like a, a name, like, I don't know, like uh, the, the calisthenics mix or something, it's likely that that is going to be a blend. Um, so when they have like a, a non-country um, or non-origin title, they're blends. Single origin means that it's come from one particular place. So that is often one farm in an area of a country or um, you have things called collectives and cooperatives, which would be a group of farms, uh, but still from a, a, a single location. And I suppose the, um, the answer to why you have blends and single origins is people believe that if you have a single origin, you'll highlight a particular type of uh, taste profile. Whereas a blend, the roaster can try and create something to what they think um, is going to taste good. So for example, back to me, my espresso blend was designed because I wanted to sell um, something to, to wholesale for espresso based drinks. And I created a blend, which is how I like my espresso. So that was the reason for that. Whereas all the single origin stuff, that um, the flavor profiles come from uh, the, the terroir, as in what, what uh, minerals are in the ground, the altitude, the uh, rainfall. The, um, another, another principle is the, the way that it's processed as well. So this is kind of going back one, one step, but coffee um, starts off as a cherry. It's the seed of a cherry. And it's only once it's picked and they take the, the fruit part of it. Um, and then there are different things that you can do um, to the seed to have a, uh, an effect on, on the overall flavor. And, and if we just keep it simple and say one of them is washed and one of them is natural, washed means that they basically rinse off the, um, the fruit element and then dry out the seed. Whereas a natural, they use different techniques, but predominantly they leave a little bit of the pulp on the seed. They put it on big drying beds and it almost uh, ferments it. And it kind of intensifies the, the sugars, the sweetness. Um, very similar to comparing, say, a, a grape and a raisin. You eat a grape, it's quite light, it's watery, it's juicy. Whereas if you try a, a raisin, which is dried out, suddenly the sugars are intense, it's powerful. And that's almost comparing a washed processed coffee and a natural process. So Tim, the coffee that, the one that you're describing was, it was really unique. That was a natural. So naturals often have this effect of being very unique, very different, very bright, fruity, zingy. Um, whereas washed, uh, not all the time, but uh, a little bit more mellow. Yeah. And have you been, Shuzzy, have you been to some of the, um, play, were you saying to me before that you've been to some of the places that, those farms that actually you get the beans from? So uh, last year I did my first origin trip. Um, I was out in Indonesia, so I took the opportunity to go see uh, an actual working farm whilst I was there. 
And do you know what? It's one of those things that um, you can read about something, you can watch videos about it, you can like fully immerse yourself in, in a whole entire industry, but to not have been to uh, and, and actually felt a cherry on a tree. It's like, sounds sounds bizarre, but I, I felt it was it was important to, to be able to do that. And I still haven't been to the um, the places that I, I purchased my coffee from. Um, and 2020 was supposed to be a year where uh, I was going to head out to Nicaragua. And uh, look, I'm, I'm optimistic and, and hope that the, the world finds some sort of normality sooner rather than later. And, and that can still be an option. Um, later on in the year, but yeah, um, yeah look, I, I I went last year and, and it was it was quite good to to actually see it. Yeah, and then just on that water process for the decaf, like a lot of for people that do do get decaf, I would highly recommend making sure that you check because when it's the other option is using chemicals to try and extract the caffeine, and then you're obviously exposing yourself to all those um, chemicals, right? Which we don't really want in our drink. C- correct. Yeah. No, um, I'm not going to go into too much detail of the of the process, but as you say, mountain water process uses a way of basically soaking the coffee. It strips out and separates the the two elements of it, and they then essentially put the the, the coffee bit back in. And yes, you're right that the the water process is probably a healthier um, way of doing it. Um, and there's definitely a negative side to it as well, but that's a, a different story altogether. But what the, because there is so much development in the in sort of like the coffee farming world, one of the things that they're they're trying to identify is basically low calf coffee. So if you imagine going back to this principle of you have cherries on a tree, there are different varieties of cherries, uh, coffee ones in particular, um, that have low. Uh, caffeine content naturally occurring right so they want to almost try and germinate those i hope that's the right word uh to make a naturally occurring decaf coffee because that would then eradicate the the need to have a process to decaf it. yeah and that's that's kind of a an interesting um side to the industry and it's, it's one of those that i think in 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 many aspects in business the the pounds often um show which way uh, the business is going to go. And, and what I mean by that is that uh, even in my sort of uh, couple of years of, of doing wholesale um, coffee, I've seen a, a dramatic increase in the amount of decaf that gets ordered by coffee shops, which means that the consumer yeah. is drinking more decaf. And I think the more that the consumer demands decaf, they'll demand a higher quality and that will keep passing down the line so that farmers try and find um better ways to get a better product to the end user who is the consumer of a cup of coffee yeah i mean it's an interesting talking point really because both um jack and i've played around with well are probably um drinking more decaf um than caffeinated these days i've i did it my, my wife corin was playing around with some nutrition stuff a while back and um, she had to take caffeine out entirely so i did it with her um and i found that like i really enjoy coffee as a drink so finding a decaf coffee which was going to be as good as drinking a caffeinated coffee was an important part but just to give some context around why we're talking about decaf and, and probably why jack and i are, are probably drinking more of it is it i found that it just leveled me out a bit more during the day and I've started then, since then, to introduce caffeinated coffee back in, but only at the points where I really kind of want it. So I kind of use it probably, if depending on what time of day that I'm going to train, but as a training aid. So getting the caffeine hit, 
when I'm going to go into a session or if I've got like a, I had a rough night's sleep or whatever, or you've got a particularly bit, bit of work to do, but limiting it to, um, to probably one cup, but the decaf giving me the caffeine sensitivity, which then allows me to use it as an ergogenic aid effectively for whatever it is I want to focus on or do. Um, but the interesting thing is I've got to be quite careful with it because we had, had Jack, my little boy, was um, a couple of rough nights when he wasn't very well recently. So we ended up having two coffees caffeinated in the morning and I was absolutely like, <laughs> like jitters. Like it, you become quite sensitive quite quickly. Um, but I've just enjoyed that experimentation and I feel like it, it keeps me, keeps me, if I've got good, decent sleep and my energy levels are good and I'm just finding that using a combination of the both now is probably fits quite well for me. I don't know what you think about that, Jack. Yeah, no, that was something that like when you, I remember when you did that, actually, it was when we had, um, when we had the last retreat and, and Shawzy was there as our in-house barista and I was like, I am going like the, out of the Sage machine that Alex uses, um, there is no Which flat. Is epic, by there the is way. no flat white like it. Like I, I mean, even when I was making them at home, and I don't even. I'm not very. I'm not a good trained brister. It was like far better than any flat white I could buy out anywhere. Um, and I was I mean, like, it does all the work for you, argue. Yeah, yeah. So, but I was like, I'm going. I'm going. I'm not going decaf here. I'm going full calf. Not easy. But I had. Um, it actually came off the back of you know when you get the. It was what what are you going to give up for Lent, Jacko? And um, my wife, Mrs. Jacko, said like. What about coffee? What about caffeine or coffee? And I was like, absolutely no chance. And then, and then, I, and then I immediately questioned myself as to say, why are you saying that? You can't do that. And then I was like, I basically openly said, yeah, I, think, I basically, I'm, I'm, I, my name is David, and I'm addicted to caffeine. And so I, uh, so I took it out, and yeah, no, felt uh, very good once I'd got over that first horrible bit. And just as you were saying, Tim, only now using it as as a training aid. Um, because we know that caffeine, there's plenty of research into caffeine of its effect on performance, uh, uh, delaying onset fatigue, etc. I mean, there was a period when um, when we were playing rugby where it was actually a certain level of caffeine. It's not anymore, but it was up to a certain level was on a, on the band list. So it was you know deemed to be that effective at aiding performance that if you had over, it was a lot. It was something like if you had six Red Bulls, then you'd be over the limit. But um Still, it shows that how much it, it uses. And I've, yeah, I say like Tim, I've sort of followed suit and I'm feeling the benefits of that. And I know that, Alex, you, you're sort of, you've got a lot of friends in the extreme sports world that use coffee um, to help them with, you've got some mountain, like down mountain bikers and, and yeah, stuff like absolutely. that. that... Look, and even, even anecdotally, it's like, um, as, as Jacko started off, is that uh, we've known each other through sort of playing and, and I definitely drank coffee whilst I was playing and, and some of the um, decisions that I would take uh, whilst playing is I would want that, that buzz that you're talking about and the, the positive effects of, uh, of caffeine. So the day before a game, I wouldn't drink any coffee so that on the, the, the actual the day, match day, is I would get that um, desired effect of, of caffeine for me. And, and less, less so now, and um, I definitely don't have any qualms with drinking a coffee in the evening, but within reason... I don't drink anything after after sort of two o'clock because of the uh, effects of half life um, that is quite openly um, uh, found on the internet in terms of like sort of two to five hours you you've still got fifty percent of a of the of the coffee in you so the caffeine in you and like you say is that there are so many athletes out there that that use it and utilize it as a uh, a performance um, uh, enhancer drug 
It is effectively a drug, isn't it? So, like, alcohol is a yeah. drug. Yeah, it is effectively, but it's just not a a banned or seemed as a dangerous drug, I guess. Yeah. And in terms of the some of the sort of the cyclists and, and things, is uh, I'm definitely not going to speak for them, but it's it's that a lot of the sports are supported by sort of sugary uh, caffeine yeah. companies. And look, it's uh, I, I I have definitely uh, drank some of those before before sports. But there's also there's if if caffeine is the only thing that you're after, and you happen to like a, a cup of coffee, then. Um, it's it's not necessarily the only option to take the the sugary sports drinks that that have caffeine in them. So yeah, there there are a lot of uh, people who who have my coffee who are, um, as you say, extreme sports people and um, enjoy a little a little espresso before they do some work. Yeah. Whilst we know you are probably really enjoying the podcast, there's something else that we think you will also really enjoy. And that is the virtual classroom. If you're a beginner, we have got an eight-week free beginner's program designed to help you start your calisthenics journey where you're going to learn how to move better, get superhuman strong, and have a lot of fun along the way. If you're ready to take your training to the next level and learn some of the iconic calisthenics movements like a frog to handstand or a muscle-up, then inside the virtual classroom you are going to find all the training programs and educational information that you need. But rather than keeping you from the podcast for any longer than necessary, head over to schoolofcalisthenics.com where you're going to find a bodyweight training resource which is different to anything else available anywhere. Tim, I think they're ready to get back to the podcast. Shorzy, you said something to me um, a while back which kind of like blew my mind a little bit because I never really thought about it before, but it's something that I've adopted since um, off the back of your advice and um, and enjoying it. Um, Is it to have a picture of me by your bedside? Well, we'll come to that <laughs> maybe at the end. Um, we're still on coffee for now. Um, you said to me that... Um, Often the coffee that if you go to a uh, to a independent particularly, I think is probably true, um, and and you can clarify that in a second. But if I go there and order a filter coffee, I'm likely to be getting better beans than I am in if I'm buying an espresso. Um, and there's sometimes, and I maybe correct me if I'm wrong on this one, but sometimes if I want a coffee, but I don't want to be like drinking a considerable amount of caffeine, I'm of, I'm often opting for a filter coffee because it's a little bit more mellow, as you say, probably higher quality beans than an espresso am i right on that or have i got it mixed up uh you've on the quality wise yes you've got that you've got that right so the reason why and this isn't all the time but if you walk into a uh like say an artisan coffee shop and ask what they have on guest filter it is often something quite unique that they've probably paid a premium for um that won't be like a and when i say mass produced that's that's not uh, what it means it just means that their their espresso would be coming in bulk they'll be buying like i say between 10 and 20 kilos of the stuff every week whereas the stuff that they put on as a guest little filter might be a uh, a kilo it might be a 500 gram bag that someone said oh this is a, a small little micro lot it's quite exciting it's quite interesting it it uses this process to do it and categorically um it would never go through an espresso machine um, it would always go through as a filter. So that's kind of like a, a little coffee secret that if you if you go in and, and ask if they've got anything uh, fancy on, on filter, uh, you often get the, the good stuff. Yeah. Um, but but on, the, on the caffeine bit, um, don't quote me on this, but I'm pretty certain that because of the way that you extract um, the, the coffee over a longer period for filter, 
and because of the, the variance in the size of the coffee that you can have, you'll probably get more caffeine in a filter coffee than you will in an espresso. The intensity of the coffee will be uh, bolder, brighter through an espresso, but that's just because of the way that it is brewed. Yeah, yeah, I think Understood. I've done that before where you, you, you often you often match up like the intensity of like the taste with the caffeine content which isn't necessarily yes correct people people often say that especially with say dark roasted coffees french style roasting italian roasts people are like oh i love really strong coffee it gives me a massive buzz like they're, they're two very separate things is that a very strong coffee to people is often like a dark roasted coffee it's quite intense like that doesn't mean that it's got lots of caffeine in it. It just means that it's the the kick of the coffee, not the caffeine, is is intense. Yeah. Right. Then let's the final thing, Shorzy. Let's just wrap um, and put something to bed forever because I loved it when I asked you we're about going to this. Rap. I've not practiced. No. Yeah. It's, 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 come on, the song we did for your birthday. <laughs> I thought we were going to go to bed. <laughs> no, the um, the 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 flat white. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what, how even to describe it. Saga. It's like um, it's like as conspiracy. Our, the conspiracy. Yeah, it's a bit like um, RX uh, uh, SNC coach Mr. Joe Brun, the one and only that once described somebody as a Caesar salad because you can go to one place and have an amazing Caesar salad. You go somewhere else, you order Caesar salad, and it's terrible. It can be a flat white. For me, oh, well, I want you to just because you did it. To, you, you explained to me before of just out there to people for me a flat white is um the greatest coffee you can have and if you're having if you're going to have something with milk in it it has to be that otherwise you otherwise obviously just go black but um that is that's that's my opinion and um if you don't agree then you're wrong but um what is a flat like what the what is the technicality of like what actually is a flat white it's not like you can just change things but then people are and sometimes you serve me a mug of just hot white coffee that is not a flat white and you would send that back is what you told me before i'm not i'm not that oh. i was sort of bad mouth behind their back but i wouldn't dare yeah. possibly give it up but go like what is a flat white what makes it um where does the name come from and why are people just changing it and ruining it go right number one all coffee drinks are essentially like cocktails originally there was a barista somewhere that went right I'm going to do this to the coffee, this to the milk, put it in this cup, and I'm going to call it this. So very similar to going to order, go to a bar and order a, a Long Island iced tea or whatever your cocktail is. I think Jacko's is sex on the beach. Uh, so, uh, no, it's woo-woo uh, for the record. Okay, sorry. Um, the, it's a, actually a waiter m- 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 can, <laughs> can change the measures, whereas originally the, uh, the, there was a recipe. And with coffee drinks it's exactly the same that it was originally created in one way or the other and let's take the latte for example is that if you see the you know the tall um glasses where a latte traditionally was a a third a third a third and you should be able to see it that it was a third espresso a third hot milk and a third a third frothy milk but then this introduction of latte art came about so they got rid of this they scrapped those tall glasses because you wanted to be able to present a a rosetta or a heart and they opened it up and had almost like a a teacup style so that you've got a big wide open mouth that makes it easier to present the art and then from there the cool kids in australasia and they'll they'll argue whether it was australia or new zealand 
um, decided that, well, if you make the milk a little bit more velvety, and what I mean by that is you don't put as much air into it as you do with the, the latte, you can make your, your pretty patterns even more intense. And um, they put it in a slightly shorter glass, so uh, an eight ounce cup, and that then made it stronger. And what I mean by stronger is the ratio of espresso to milk was greater, so you had a stronger flavor of the coffee that broke through the milk. And to bring it all together, what, what is a, uh, a flat white? It is a double espresso with velvety milk in an eight ounce cup. Fat, it's so fat. People were calling it a, uh, a ristretto before. So I, I, I didn't know whether or not to say that. Like within reason. So again, a double espresso is a 60 mil shot. That's traditionally it is a 60 mil shot. But you can choose to, to basically reduce the volume but keep the extraction time. And, and what that does, it starts to play around with acidity levels. So um, a, a well-trained barista would, would have almost like a recipe. So it's called dialing in. When you dial in your grinder, you do that so that you can have your recipe, which would mean, so for example, with my coffee, if you, it's, uh, you put a 20 gram uh, shot in, so 20 grams of ground coffee um, in the espresso machine, and you want to extract a ratio of two to one. So you want twice as much to come out in 30 seconds. So 20 grams in, 40 grams of coffee out in 30 seconds, and then that is my recipe. Um, but people can make that shorter, as in make the volume less. You can extract it, so uh, take it uh, longer. So again, you'll take different flavors out of the, of the coffee. And you're starting to get into sort of not nth degree, but very specifics about baristery and just espressos. Nice. Amazing. I'm looking forward. Next time I'm messing around by the coffee machine and Catherine goes, what are you doing? I'll be like, I'm dialing in, love. Dialing in. Dialing nice. in. I'm dialing it nice. in. And then I'll go send it. <laughs> <laughs> Shores, before you go, my final question, I'm going to wrap it up. Um, to create velvety milk in yep. a let's say very standard um, coffee machine at home, which maybe doesn't have a huge amount of pressure from the um, steamer. Where do you put the nozzle? Bottom of the cup, top, well, in terms of the, of the jug, bottom, top, on an angle, like, so what's the secret? You, never, you, don't, you don't put the, the nozzle into the milk. It has to, so if you don't have good pressure, you're probably going to have to leave it above the, the water line for a little bit longer. So imagine, uh, as I'm sure you do on, on the nightly regularly, uh, sitting in your bath with a straw that you wanted to create some more bubbles for your, <laughs> for your bath. If, if the straw's already in, submerged in the water, then it's a little bit harder. Whereas if it's just on the surface, you'll be able to create lots of bubbles um, for you to enjoy in your bath. And it's very similar with, uh, with your coffee machine in essence, that if you just put the, the tip of the steam wand just on, on the top of the milk line, you'll be able to generate some slightly bigger bubbles and it's also called stretching. So imagine that you're stretching the volume of the milk. So if you don't touch anything, so switch your steamer machine on, uh, slowly the air will stretch the milk so that the milk will rise up the steam one and it will no longer be creating those bigger bubbles that you get right at the beginning. Um, right. On that, I have just created a video which you'll be able to find uh, if you look 
on the YouTube. We'll put uh, we'll put we'll we'll put a link in the uh, in the show notes so we can see that. I um I the, I have an Epsom I have an Epsom salt bath when I have baths these days, but I did never know I never knew that that's how you made a bubble bath. Yeah, um, that's 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 it. You need a really long <laughs> straw and just rest it on the surface. Hosepipe. <laughs> <laughs> is that your nickname <laughs> <laughs> I thought it was right, Shorzy, yeah let's wrap this one up thank you so much for coming on and being a guest on the School of Calisthenics podcast now you've got one job to do I'm not even going to set you up for this one we, we normally would do an edit um, yeah. and, and potentially tee you up but you get the final word of the of the, uh, of the session uh, as is accustomed to all the podcasts that you will have listened to of mine and Jacko's so Jacko you can send him off yeah. and then leave him to do the business great so um, thank you uh, Alex for coming on to the podcast um, I, we as, as two coffee noises me and Tim we certainly um, enjoyed it I hope everyone else did out there if you um, haven't yet followed and checked out Alex on Instagram it's kickback coffee um, if you haven't looked at the website, it's kickbackcoffee.co.uk. And I believe you have a 15% discount using SOC15 for the lovely School of Calisthenics podcast listeners. So go check out. And if you want the best decaf, in our opinion, available, I'd definitely go and check that out. But other than that, Alex, thank you for being on the School of Calisthenics podcast. Until next time. Oh, I was just trying to break break a silence, but I love it. Look, uh, really appreciate. Now you it. say Thank class you. dismiss. <laughs> um, <laughs> so we're all pausing and we're waiting for you to say <laughs> class dismiss. Okay, go on then. Team me up again. Just give me give me the uh, like. This is as if we're doing like some acting or something. Uh, line until next time. Class dismiss. So thank you so much again for listening. We don't take it lightly that you uh, give up probably an hour of your time to listen to these podcasts, and so we really do appreciate that. We hope you got a load of value out of it, guys, and we would, if you did, we would love you to do a couple of things for us. One of them is tell other people and share it if you thought that we were adding some value, and also if you want to, pop over to iTunes or wherever you're listening to this and give us a five-star review. We like five stars. Four stars not as good. Keep it five are the best. Five of your best stars, please. <laughs> and if you would like to find out more about the School of Calisthenics and see the best of everything that we have got, head over to our virtual classroom. You can access it from the website at schoolofcalisthenics.com. And that is where we have got literally, possibly, the best calisthenics resource available anywhere in the world. It's definitely the best one we've done. And on that note, until next week, class dismissed.